Hi there. Thanks for tuning in to the GeForce Podcast, a show for car enthusiasts by car enthusiasts. The majority of car enthusiasts enjoy racing in some way, shape, or form. Whether it be a watch the highlights in the Indy 500 or a full-on F1 everything fanatic, car enthusiasts find a natural appeal of autosport. Of course, there's the whole car aspect of motorsport. Race cars are fantastically engineered cars, the pinnacle of performance. There's also the death-defying, living-on-the-edge appeal of racing, where nothing is a guarantee. Motorsport is also the research lab of innovation for car performance, where the latest in speed and racing technology get developed, tweaked, and perfected. From here, this technology often trickles down to the mainstream consumer vehicles. One of the clearest and most recent examples of this technology flow is the advent of the semi-automatic and dual-clutch transmissions found in consumer cars, the ones you can use the paddles behind the steering wheel to shift gears. Part of what stimulates growth in technology in racing comes from an ever-changing set of rules established by the governing bodies of each type of competition. One lesser-known benefit of the strict rules in these top tiers of racing is the homologation special. To put limits on certain areas of performance, a racing governing body may restrict the amount of horsepower or set a minimum weight for all vehicles competing. For overall vehicle restrictions, said governing body may also require that each manufacturer entering a race car needs to sell a certain number of those types of vehicles to consumers for use on public roads. This is a homologation special. A vehicle that follows the rules of the racing governing body and is sold in somewhat mass-produced quantities to the general public as a stipulation from the rules. Now homologation specials can be quite a challenge for car manufacturers. They generally cost a lot to produce and manufacture, and they generally add a significant restriction to what can be included in the racing version of said vehicle. For us car enthusiasts though, homologation specials are usually the stuff of which dreams are made. Oftentimes, a homologation special and thus the racing version of the car, start off as another consumer vehicle in the, that the manufacturer produces. From there, the engineering team get to work reworking every aspect of the car to focus on speed and performance. Where a consumer car may place equal emphasis on comfort and handling, the racing version will heavily skew the, to the handling and performance aspect at the cost of comfort. Homologation specials have been delighting car enthusiasts for decades. In the US, early forms of NASCAR, then known as stock car racing, contributed to the manufacturers building some pretty special cars for public sale. The term stock car itself refers to the fact that the earlier races focused not on modified cars, but on stock cars straight from the factory. There's an old saying from NASCAR, Win on Sunday, sell on Monday. Referring to the fact that a stock car used on a race on Sunday would be almost identical to the showroom car at the local dealer. Ford, Dodge, and Chevrolet raced vehicles that started off as some big family cars, but then they hot-rodded them with a bigger engine and stripped out the interior. One of the greatest examples of this was Dodge's Charger Daytona with its sleek front arrow and massive rear wing. 
About 500 road-going versions were sold to the public, and I imagine very few of them ever followed the speed limit ever again. Over in Europe, the same mentality and racing rules brought out some absolutely brilliant cars through homologation specials. The German Touring Car uh, Racing League, Deutsche Tourenwagen Masters, or DTM for folks like me who can't speak German, that was a league that was similar to NASCAR, which would take a normal road-going race car and race it against the same type of cars from other manufacturers. Road-going cars needed to be the base, so the German manufacturers, especially Mercedes-Benz and BMW, got to work tinkering on their road-legal sports cars to make them even more performance-oriented. In the late 80s, this led to the creation of two German touring car legends, the Mercedes-Benz 190E 2.5-16 Evolution, that's quite the mouthful, and the BMW E30 M3 Evo. Both were technically based on entry-level models, the 190E being the similar chassis as a base E-Class at the time, and the M3 coming from the same base chassis that you would find a normal 3 Series, but both were heavily modified by the manufacturers and sold as higher level sports cars just so that the racing version in DTM could be even more competitive. Now, sometimes a homologation special isn't even based on a current production car, but rather is a standalone vehicle built only to satisfy the requirements of their respective racing league. Although Mercedes-Benz's 190e Evo was a fantastic homologation special, their most famous uh, version has to be the CLK GTR AMG. To decode all those letters, let's go through it quickly. The CLK stands for the base chassis that was kind of shared with this car, as well as the standard CLK from Mercedes. The GTR stands for GT Racing. And AMG is, well, AMG is Mercedes in-house tuning specialist. Basically, it was a mid-engined V12-powered two-seater built only so Mercedes-Benz could race at Le Mans and a few other races in that league. It's an absolutely crazy machine that stands out from the rest of Mercedes' relatively sensible and subdued lineup, but it's that's the power of a homologation special. It shakes things up a little bit in the lineup. From Germany, if you go a bit south, you'll end up in the land of some of the most legendary homologation specials. Italy. Italian cars and legendary, of course, go hand in hand, with monikers like Ferrari, Lamborghini, Alfa Romeo leading the way. One manufacturer in particular, Lancia, made several homologation specials in order to keep competing in the rally competitions. These key examples are like the O37 and the Delta Integrale. Although not as familiar to non-European car enthusiasts, the O37 and Delta Integrale are two of the most legendary cars from the 80s and 90s, being absolute beasts in the world of rally, and also apparently quite a hoot as streetcars. Now with the O37 in particular, the car was built solely to compete in races and rallying. Thus the homologation special was a brand new car in Lancia's lineup. Because of this, 
and also because there was a high benchmark of production cars needed to be produced in order for Lancia to compete, there is some evidence to suggest that Lancia might have slightly cheated. There is rumors that they produced far less than what was required by the governing body of those road-going O37s. What that means for us in the long term is that right now they're just less O37s to buy. But it doesn't really change just how fantastic they are to watch rallying or go on the road. Now let's go back to that most legendary of names. Especially in homologation specials, GTO is a very powerful moniker. Short for Gran Turismo Homologata, this was Ferrari's badge for their homologation specials. One of the first ones that came out from Ferrari was the 250 GTO. The 250 GTO from the early 1960s was highly successful in the European racing world. Coupling that with the fact that it's an old classic Ferrari makes it pretty highly sought after. But adding those successes as well means that it's the most expensive car in the world. With examples currently changing hands at prices at or above the $50 million mark. The other key homologation special from Ferrari is the 288 GTO, which was the spiritual predecessor to the Ferrari F40. The 288 GTO was a fresh-built car intended to compete in Group B rallying, but the series collapsed just before Ferrari could officially enter it in for the races. Thus, the 288 GTO is one of the few homologation specials that unfortunately never got a chance to race for its own factory officially. So that's a brief history on homologation specials, and also highlights why I think they're fantastic. Think of it like a race car that the car manufacturers themselves build in order to race, but need to sell to the public. All the key racing tech and design from the track, and you could put a license plate on it.